Welcome everyone to the Money Mentors Podcast. My name is Glenn Fairburn and Nathan Lear and myself co-host this program. We're both directors and private client advisors at Hewelson Private Wealth, which is one of Australia's leading independent financial planning and wealth management firms. Our objective is to simply improve financial literacy and financial awareness. This week, Nathan and I have a discussion about the importance of superannuation death benefit nominations. So really just delving into the estate planning uh, issues and implications around superannuation. Um, so so look, we, we look at the different options and, and the implications of not having a nomination. Um, just to remember everyone that this discussion is really just of a general nature. So we're not providing specific advice in this podcast and you should really consult with your accountants and advisors. Um, so on that note, hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the podcast. So Glenn, today we are going to chat about superannuation death benefit nominations. So uh, just to introduce this topic, um, for many superannuation is up there with their biggest asset or second biggest asset along with the the family home. So obviously it's a very important thing. Um, But often when it comes to uh, death and having an appropriate uh, death benefit nomination to ensure that their superannuation benefits are distributed according to their wishes, people often don't have one or perhaps get it wrong. Um, So Glenn, in in our role, we obviously review clients' financial um, situations and it is surprising or quite common that many people uh, either don't have a, nomin- a nomination in place or have a nomination that perhaps might not be um, you know, accurate in, in accordance with the rules, which we'll, which we'll go through in a moment. So just to get it going, Glenn, today, did you want to maybe just run through what um, a death benefit nomination actually is and, and how it works? Yeah, and I suppose that this, this discussion stems from the fact that most people don't understand that superannuation in itself isn't an estate asset, um, which basically means that it doesn't automatically form part of your estate and therefore isn't necessarily dealt with via your will. Um, so that's why it is important with, you, with your superannuation fund to make a nomination. Um, now, there are obviously varying types of nominations which, which, which we'll go through, um, but I suppose there's just the, the risk, even for younger people, I mean, you were saying before, um, the fact that superannuation for, for a lot of people is their largest asset and a lot of younger people might think, well, that doesn't really apply to me. I'm only just starting. I don't have a large balance. But attached to a lot of individuals' superannuation funds is insurance. So that insurance component can result in the balance being quite large mm. upon death. Um, did you want to go through the different types of nominations? Uh, I think we're jumping the gun a little bit. I just want, what what is it simply? So basically it's a... So there's a couple of different names, but I'm just for continuity, I'll just call it a, a binding death benefit nomination. So a binding death benefit nomination is a written direction to the trustee of the super fund that sets out where you would like to direct your superannuation benefits upon death. Now, the trustee of the fund is, if it's a self-managed super fund, for example, um, you know, often, often you're the trustee or maybe your executor steps in as a, as a trustee upon death or for a big, you know, industry fund, for example, um, you know, the, like an Australian super, the biggest industry fund in Australia, they're the trustee. So it's a direction um, which binds them, the trustee, 
where to pay your superannuation benefits. And, and that's where I suppose that that term there, binding nomination, um, it's important to, to separate that from the more common non-binding nomination, um, which, I mean, a lot of people, if, if they've made a nomination, if they've got an industry fund or a, or a retail super fund, quite often they might make a nomination. Um, but as you were saying, because the trustee of those funds is quite often a third party, unless you specify that you want to make a binding nomination, that it can be non-binding, which basically means that that particular nomination is not binding on the trustees. So on the death of the member, the trustees will actually actually exercise their discretion in determining who that benefit is to be paid to. Um, so that's where it's important to obviously make the nomination, but then determine whether the nomination you've made is binding or is it non-binding. Yeah, and, and look, I think binding would arguably be more common these. I think some of the non-binding ones were... Uh, you know, more of years gone by. Yeah, well, that's a lot of understanding anyway. Yeah, and, and look, I suppose a lot of the industry funds that, that I've seen and had clients become members of, it's more common now, I think, the binding nomination, but I think perhaps the older versions of those nominations are probably more like non-binding. Yeah, well, maybe we'll, we'll hold that thought for a moment, then we'll go through the different the different kinds of nominations because there is a couple and also some considerations around length and things like that, how long they're valid for. Um Glenn, you touched on it earlier, but I think it might be worthwhile just speaking a little bit more about it because I think it's so misunderstood um, around the, the fact that superannuation doesn't form part of your estate. I just mm. just I just think that's such a, a common view that oh my you know clients will say oh my my will will take care of my super yeah when I die like have you found that in your experience yeah, and, as and well? Look, to be honest, I've even had situations where I think even some solicitors have have made note in wills that oh my superannuation will be distributed according to the following but that can take place but you need to make sure that when you're making your superannuation death benefit nomination that you nominate your, you know your personal legal representative if you want that benefit to be paid to your estate there's situations where you might but there's also situations mm. where you might not want it paid to your estate so that's where you really need to get that legal estate planning advice to make sure that you're making the right nomination Sure, sure. So maybe we'll, we'll just quickly delve into who can be uh, a beneficiary under yep. these nominations. So sometimes that's misunderstood as well. Um, so you can't just, or you can nominate anyone, but it might not get to them. Um, it must, the, nom, the, the beneficiary of the nomination must be a Superannuation Industry Supervision Act or, or SIS, we call it for short, um, dependent. So what we call a cis dependent, they must be allowable under the um, under the Act's rules. So there's a handful of people that, that that are eligible to receive that, and they are. I'll just run through them: the spouse of the member, uh, the child of the member at any age, anybody that's financially dependent on that member, or lastly, a person whom the member had an interdependent relationship. So what that means is, and an example I often give is you'll see younger people where, you know, let's say they're in their 20s or you know, just starting out, they'll either they'll nominate their, their parents or they'll nom nominate maybe a sibling, which basically isn't, they're, they're not cis-dependents, are they? No. So just something to be, to be aware of, you know, for people out there to be aware of if you, if you are making a nomination, make sure you can nominate that person. Yeah, because the risk there is that if, if you make a nomination to someone who 
isn't allowable under the um, that CIS Act, um, it, it it can put at risk the fact that those funds may not end up in the hands of the people that you wanted it to. Um, and, and that's where, as we were saying before, like if if you do want your superannuation benefits to be paid to a non-dependent or someone outside of the, the, the list of um, people that you were just mentioning, Nathan, then that's where perhaps you will nominate your, your personal your, your legal state. representative or, or your estate. Yeah. Um, so once again, really important to consider who, whom you want to receive your superannuation benefits and what strategy you need to put in place to ensure that the the person you want to receive it does receive it so maybe we'll just think about that a little bit more so um with with not with with making a nomination so obviously this is quite specialized and you know as needed maybe your your estate planning or legal professional might need to get involved in these discussions but from a, a nomination point of view what what advice well, maybe i'll ask a question i'll let you answer how you want but would you rec- generally recommend a client nominates their their legal personal representative? I think it really depends, doesn't it? I mean, and this is where you, you really need to seek legal advice in relation to your specific situation because, I mean, we're, we're not lawyers, so we, we don't want to make any legal judgments or legal opinions. But if there's a risk that your estate might be challenged, mm. then perhaps you don't want your superannuation benefits to form part of your estate. Um, so th- there might be... You know, a strategy that you may use would be to have it go direct um, to a beneficiary, or wh- wh- who may not um, be, a, who, who may have been at risk of challenge within a will. So, look, there's there's different sort of situations where you may not want it to go into your estate. What's, what's the benefit? Bearing in mind what you just said about not legal professionals, what's the benefit of it going into your estate? Probably just a little bit more flexibility with relation to who can receive that distribution, because yep. as, as you were saying. The, the the payment of a benefit direct out of a superannuation fund is limited to a spouse, um, a child, or someone who's been a financial dependent. So mm. you might have a, a a niece or a nephew or a friend, mm. but if you've never had that interdependent Ch- relationship, a charity, yeah. if you've never had that interdependent relationship, then they may not be entitled to receive a direct distribution from a from a superannuation fund. So that's where you might want to use. Um, the will just to give a little bit more flexibility. Well, one thing I often think about as well with that is uh, if you want to, like people's circumstances always change. So yeah. let's say they nominate, I don't know, a spouse and that spouse passes away before them. Well, then you've got to update your nom. Most likely you'll update your will. That's right, yeah. But you've also got to remember to update your nomination. Yeah, exactly. And people might forget to op- update the nomination. So it can be open, open the door up for some risk there. Um. Anything else on that before we move on, Glenn? No, no. no I think, it's, it, as I said, it's really just a matter of getting the right advice to make sure that you're making the correct nomination for your given situation. So we briefly touched on some of the different types of nominations. So maybe we'll expand on that a little bit further. Before we do that, I might, I might. Well, maybe I'll I'll kick it off with the concept of reversionary pensions because this is something which, um, for for members of superannuation funds that are in pension phase, so they're, they've met their preservation age, the age where they can access their superannuation and they're drawing a pension, they can put in place what's called a, a reversionary pension where they can effectively when they nominate or set up their pension, they can nominate a particular person that's allowable within the rules to, be, uh, to receive their pension in the event of their death. Now, 
the reason this can be very beneficial is because it, the, the, the money can stay in the superannuation environment um, and, you know, depending on the, the, the age and a few other bits and pieces of the, the recipient can receive their, um, the generous tax treatment. And, and it will, um, or my understanding is anyway, Glenn, that it, it does supersede the nomination. So quite often people will have a, um, they might be in pension phase, they have their pension, they'll nominate somebody, let's say yeah. their spouse, and they'll also have a nomination as well. But the reversionary pension will, will supersede um, the, the, the death benefit nomination. Yeah, and the other, I suppose, major advantage of, the, of a reversionary pension is that the money can remain in superannuation. So if, yeah. if it's later in life and you know, you've got two members of a couple, there's, a, there's a, a, a quite a large amount in superannuation, it may be providing them with a fairly substantial tax benefit because the earnings may be tax-free. Um, so, you know, as, as you were saying, so it, it yeah, it's just an opportunity where the money can stay in super. Definitely, yeah, it's a big it's a big thing, isn't it? Especially with a generous tax treatment. Um, so that's your reversionary repensions, and um, we'll go through maybe some of the other types of nominations. Yeah, and, and I think as we were alluding to earlier, the the binding death agreement. Um, perhaps just looking at the advantages of that as opposed to a non-binding nomination. Yeah. Um, because so binding versus non-binding. Yeah, binding okay. versus non-binding. So but what are the? I mean, we said it before. We'll just we'll restart again. What's the? Well, firstly, what's a non-binding one? Well, a non-binding nomination is is effectively like a, I would I would simplistically define it as like a statement of intentions like, like or an indication of where an you want indication. to go. Yeah. Because what a lot of people don't realise is that under a non-binding nomination, it's the trustees of the superannuation fund that have discretion mm. as to where those benefits are paid. So. Most of the time, perhaps it does fall in the hands of the people that you nominate, um, but it's still up to trustee discretion. So you do remove that certainty, and that's where, um, you know, in consultation with with a solicitor, we would generally recommend that our clients taking take out a what's called a binding death agreement or binding death benefit nomination, which essentially binds the trustees um, to follow that nomination. And and there is a, a famous case. Uh, some years ago now, um, which a lot of industry people would be aware of, which was Katz versus Grossman. Now, just a little bit of um, background. Um, the case involved Mr. Katz, who was the sole member of his self-managed superannuation fund. So he had a self-managed superannuation fund and and he was one of two individual trustees, um, the other being his wife. So him and his wife were both trustees. On the death of his wife, um, his daughter was appointed as the second trustee. So essentially what, what we had was a situation where um, Mr. Katz and his daughter, Mrs. Grossman, were, were joint trustees of that fund. So in this particular situation, be, there wasn't be, a... Because he... Oh, sorry. You are about to there, say There that. wasn't a company yeah. in because place he had, here. So he had to appoint a second yeah, person. Because with a self-managed fund, you have to have two trustees or, or a corporate trustee. So in this situation, his wife passed, passed away um, and he appointed his daughter as the second trustee. Um, now, Mr. Katz's will left his entire estate, which included his superannuation benefits, it was about a million dollars, to his two children. So although he only had one of his daughters as um, the second trustee, he, he wanted the superannuation benefits to be split um, 50-50 between his two children. Now, what happened was on the death of Mr. Katz, um, his daughter was the sole remaining trustee of the, the fund. And now what she did was actually appoint her husband as the, tr as the second trustee and they chose to not follow 
the father's wishes, but instead... Because it was the, a non-binding Yeah, it was nomination. a non-binding nomination. So, so they, they could choose what they wanted to do. That's right. So the trustees had power. So instead of paying it in accordance with his wishes, they just decided to pay it 100% to themselves. And cut so out the other sibling. That's exactly right. So the, the daughter received 100% of the father's death benefit um, and, and the other sibling, which was, was a son, received nothing. And, and he ch- obviously challenged it, hence the yeah, court case we're talking exactly about. Exactly right. So and he was... Um, and it was ruled in in her favour, wasn't it? She yeah. was a, she was allowed to receive a hundred percent of the benefit. Exactly right. So it's just a case which, and this was some years ago, but it, it's just a case case which really exposes the risks of perhaps not having that binding nomination because it just opens it up mm. to challenge and and uncertainty. And people often, and you look at that case and say that that's unfair. I mean, yeah. that's the the first thing that I remember I thought of when I. When I heard it, but and everyone says, "Oh, that won't happen to me." But ultimately, yeah, rule, rule, like rules are rules. Like in terms of the self you know, superannuation industry and nominations, the there's rules that are put there for a place. So you kind of you need to play the right play the right rules of the game, don't you? Yeah, to get the outcome you want. Absolutely, and and in the end, um, when we're dealing with death benefits being paid from a, a self managed superannuation fund or any super fund in particular, um, who controls the fund on death is everything. And the mm. controller is the trustee. So if that trustee is separate from the beneficiaries, that's where you have issues. And in particular, when you've got multiple children who perhaps aren't executors and therefore won't step in as, as trustees. And as I said before, everyone says, oh, that won't happen in my situation. But and not to say that it will, but at least have like an investment or anything, just have the risk management in place so that there's just no debate whatsoever as to what's going to happen. So we, we, one thing we haven't touched on yet. So we've spoken about, just to recap, we've spoken about binding death benefit nominations. So think of you know, industry or retail funds. Quite often there's binding death benefit nominations or, or non-binding ones. But you know, we've spoken about how the importance of having considering binding. Um, now, one thing we haven't gone into detail yet on, on those binding death benefit nominations is there is a, um, I guess they are, they are what's called lapsing. So they have a, a three-year shelf life, I suppose, where where after that three years is up, they do need to be renewed. So it's not uncommon for people to to do it, whether it's a self-managed fund or an industry fund, to 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 do a binding death benefit for nomination, and then after the three years is up, they simply forget to redo another one, and then they can be left in a position where if they die, there's no nomination, and they open up the door to all those risks we risks we just spoke about, where the trustee has discretion. So. Um, I guess a more more recent way way to do it is what's called a um, a death benefit agreement. So, you know, at because at, at Hewson Private Wealth, we we look after many self managed superannuation funds. So, um, within a self managed superannuation fund, you can um, put in place what's called a death benefit agreement, where it's effectively a, a death benefit nomination that's binding and it's written into the trust deed. And so it's non lapsing. So it's non lapsing. So it's perpetual in nature. So um, you don't have to update it every three years. Um, you only have to update it if there's a change to your circumstances. Yeah, and uh, I suppose the, the advantage of that is that, as you were saying, you don't have to remember to update it and review it every three years. Having said that, if you do change your mind, you can you can obviously update and change the binding death agreement. Um, the other thing to bear in mind when you're making your nomination um, is, is the tax implications mm. um, because... 
you know, in in the situation of looking at who the who the beneficiary of your super, superannuation benefits is, um, it's important to consider whether they're dependents or non-dependents. So although an adult child can receive a superannuation death benefit, they're not necessarily classified as a dependent from a tax perspective. So there may be tax implications there. So you know, as part of your estate plan, you you may say, well, you know, my partner's well taken care of. Perhaps I'll have my superannuation benefits paid to my adult children and and take care of my spouse with other assets um, that may not be the best tax outcome for you and that's where we always say look consult your advisors whether that's your accountant financial planner um, solicitor with regards to your overall estate plan because um, it's not as simple as just trying to to divide assets in dollar terms because the net outcome can be quite different for different beneficiaries Sure, excellent. No, de- definitely very important. I'd echo those comments around in, in involving the you know the tax professional in the planning as well. It's you know very important to we often speak to our clients about bringing in the different professionals where where you need. So the financial advisor, the estate planning professional, a lawyer, and also the, the the tax accountant. So we'll wrap up there. So in, in terms of the discussion, just to quickly summarise what we spoke about: um, superannuation, death benefit, nominations. You know, very important. Often for many people, it can be a very big asset for them. Um, there is many different ways to, to do it, um, different types of nominations. So um, we hope you enjoy the podcast and we look forward to having you next week. Thanks everybody for listening again to another episode of the Money Mentors podcast. Um, if you enjoy the, the content, please do subscribe to the podcast um, via um, any good po- podcasting app. Um, once again, please check out our major sponsors website, Hewison Private Wealth. Um, so just, just search for Hewison Private Wealth online. Also check out Hewison Private Wealth's um, social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, thanks again. We'll see you next week.